0: Thanks for listening to this week's Hope at Crossroads. We are glad you're taking the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can connect with us through our website, hopeatcrossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends and let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And now, here's this week's message.
1: Amen, amen. Good to see you. if you've got your Bible, I hope you do, or your app or your tablet. Uh, open up to John chapter 14, John chapter 14. Uh, and if you are uh, visiting with us this morning, again, we're grateful to have you here. I have a couple of special guests that are here with us this morning. Uh, my aunt, Nancy, and my cousin, Kitty are here. You guys kind of wave, so make them feel welcome. We're glad y'all are here this morning. We had a family get-together last night, and uh, they're in town for that, and glad that they could come worship with us this morning. Uh, if you missed last Sunday and you were not able to pick up one of these, uh, there are a few of these by the, by the exits, and you may wonder if you saw those coming in, what is that about? Last week, we talked about John chapter 13, and Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And that is part of our mission here at Crossroads, is making disciples who serve, shelter, and support the transforming work of Christ. And we've been talking about those words last week. We talked about serve, and Jesus beautifully demonstrated uh, what that is all about. And uh, we're grateful for that. And if you remember from last week, Jesus was with his disciples. He washed their feet. Uh, And if you continue to finish out that chapter... He predicted that he would be betrayed. If you remember Judas, we didn't read that part, but hopefully you finished reading it on your own. Judas came into the room and then left the room to betray Jesus. And Jesus told his disciples that not only would he be betrayed, that he would also be denied by his disciples. A pretty scary thing, I would imagine, if you were one of those disciples in the room hearing that uh, in the context of that supper together and Jesus to look at you and say hey some of you are going to deny me some of you are going to betray me but that's what happened and then we get into John chapter 14 and so uh, as we read this keeping in context what's just happened don't let that uh, get out of your mind what happened just a few moments ago in John chapter 13 here's what Jesus says John 14 verse 1 I love this chapter let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. Some of your translations may say mansions. We'll find out when we get there if they're mansions or they're dwelling places. Some of, some of you uh, maybe think it's a mansion. My mansion's going to be bigger than your mansion. Any competitors out there? I know, I know. So, dwelling places is probably actually a better description of actually what Jesus says there he says if it were not so I would have told you for I go to prepare a place for you and if I go to prepare a place for you I'll come again and receive you to myself that where I am there you may be also and you know the way where I'm going and Thomas said to him Lord we don't know where you're going how do we know the way Jesus said to him I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the father but through me if you'd known me You would have known my Father also from now on you know him, and you have seen him. Let me stop right there. By now you know, as we've been studying the book of John, that that's a controversial statement. Because Jesus is once again saying, if you've seen the Father, or you've seen me, you've seen the Father, I and the Father are one. Jesus is God in the flesh, a representation of God in the flesh. Controversial statement. We read it and kind of skim over it, not realizing that for Jesus to say that was uh, quite something. And Philip said in verse 8, Lord, show us the Father and enough is for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How do you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I don't speak of my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Otherwise, believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he shall do also. And greater works than these shall he do because I go to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That's the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not behold him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you after a little while. The world will behold me no more, but you will behold me because I live. You shall live also. And in that day, you shall know I'm in my father and I'm in you. I, you are in me, and I am in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, this another Judas, said to him, Lord, what has happened that you're going to disclose yourself to us and not the world? And Jesus answered and said, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word my Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. If you have a study Bible, you'll notice that most of those words are in red. This is this long speech, if you will, by Jesus, trying to prepare his disciples and give them some words of encouragement and some words of comfort. Keep this in mind. When you hear Jesus right at the outset of this chapter say, let not your heart be troubled, keep in mind what's going on here. The disciples had reason to be troubled. Jesus has just told them, one of you guys is a traitor. The rest of you are probably going to deny me and I'm getting ready to leave and leave you alone. And they didn't really understand yet what that was about. But to, to get those words, let not your heart be troubled. Literally, if you go back and you study what Jesus is saying there, it's not a suggestion. He actually says it again later in the chapter. Let not your heart be troubled. I hear different people say this and it's almost like a suggestion the way we say it. Oh, let not your heart be troubled. It's really not what Jesus said. The original language is stop being troubled. Now, how in the world could Jesus say that? For some of you, that's good news because your world is maybe upside down today in chaos and confusion and you're troubled. And yet Jesus, God, the king of the world, is saying, stop being troubled. How can you receive that in a crazy world in which we live? Well, there's six things that I believe Jesus shows us and he shows his disciples in this passage that if we'll remember these things, it will help us experience comfort In the midst of chaos, the comfort that these disciples needed that Jesus gives to them. The first one is this. Jesus promises them a dwelling place. He promises them a future reunion in the Father's house. When I was growing up in the 80s, the Christian music was kind of getting going. And there was this group called Audio Adrenaline. And they had this song called, I'm hearing some, uh uh-huh, some of you know what I'm talking, called Big House. Come and go with me to my father's house. It's a big, big house with lots and lots of room and lots and lots of food. And we might even play football. I don't know if there's going to be football in heaven, but there's got to be. Because football is a godly thing most of the time. Unless Carolina and Clemson are playing, don't go there, don't go there. But Jesus gives his disciples some great comfort. He's promising them this future reunion in the Father's house. What's interesting to think about it is he says, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Some of you know what I'm talking about when you hear that word prepare. And when I think about preparation, preparation always requires a couple of things. One of the things preparation requires is love. When you prepare a meal... Or maybe you prepare for a new baby to come onto the scene. A hostess that maybe prepares for guests. There's love implied there that preparation is happening. And Jesus is preparing a place for his people. Why is he preparing a place for you and I? Because he loves us. That should bring us great comfort today. Jesus has gone to prepare a future place for us, a future reunion And we joke again about those mansions. I don't know what they're going to look like. But here's the reality. They're going to be a lot better than what we have here on this planet. And the confusion and the chaos a lot of times in our our own lives and in our own hearts and in our own minds is we forget. Guys and ladies and gentlemen, this is not our home. Let me say it again. This is not our home. We spend the vast majority of our years on this planet striving to do everything to build a life here, and this is not our home. And Jesus is saying to his disciples, fret not, don't be worried, stop being troubled, because this is not your home. I'm preparing a much better place for you. It's going to be incredible. The mansions, the dwelling places, this is not your home. The second thing I see here that he says to them that should bring them great comfort, should bring you and I comfort. He says to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. He is the exclusive way to the Father. Now, Jesus, I, I, I'm a fan of Jesus for a lot of reasons. But one of the reasons, as you know, as we've kind of gone through the book of John, is he loved to throw out zingers. He loved to throw out controversial things. And for him to say, I am the way and the only way, the exclusive way to get to God was quite a controversial thing that has been recorded here in John's gospel. Jesus did not say, I'm going to show you a way to get to God. I'm going to show you one of the ways to get to God. He said, I am the way to get God, There is no other way. No one comes to the Father except through me. Simply put, Jesus is saying, I am the access point. I am the door to get to God. I am it. And I hear a lot of people in our world, even some, believe it or not, there was a survey I saw recently of a group of pastors, pastors. When asked, do you believe that Jesus is exclusive way to God, the group that was asked, I'd love to tell you it was 100% of the responded, yes, Jesus is the only way to God. But it wasn't even 100%. Are you kidding me? Jesus himself said, I am the only way. That's not Jack Eason saying, Jesus is the only way. That's Jesus himself saying, I am the only way to God. If there are a lot of roads to God, then Jesus can't be one of them. Because he claimed that he was the one road to God and he himself was the one way. And if he's not the only way to God, then he really wasn't an honest man, he wasn't a true prophet, and he's not really worth following. Because he's a liar. So what should bring you and I comfort in this crazy world that we live in is when all these all these routes are out there. All these ways are out there that are being Communicated all the noise of the world and the chaos of social media and news and politics and all these things, saying, Well, you can go this way, you can do this way, you can go this way. It should give you great comfort. And guess what? There's only one way to God. You don't have to overthink it, you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to get all upset about it. Am I choosing the right way? Is it this way or right, this way? No, it's one way. And his name is Jesus. And Jesus was sharing that with his disciples because he knew. 2,000 years later, there were going to be people on the scene saying, "Oh, let me tell you, there's a lot of ways to get to God. All you've got to do is be good. All you've got to do is be good and you'll get to God. Bible teaches us that's not true. The Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. There's none righteous, no, not one. So you, you may say this morning, well, I, I'm good, so I'll get to go, to go to heaven. That's not what the Bible teaches. There's only one way to get to go to heaven. It's knowing Jesus Christ. You may say, well, I've been pretty good. I guess I got a 50-50 chance. How does that work out for you? I mean, you you die, you're standing before St. Peter, and he kind of rolls the dice. Welcome to Vegas. Roll the dice. Oh, guess what? Snake eyes, you're in. Double fives, you go to hell. I mean, no. There is one way to get to God, and that should bring you and I great comfort in this crazy world that we live in. But Jesus goes on to say something I think is even more profound. He says to them in verse 12, I say to you, That if you believe in me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do because I go to the Father. Can you imagine Jesus saying this to his disciples? He's promising, the third thing I see here is he's promising to continue his work on the earth. And he's telling his disciples, who probably were thinking, wait a minute, Jesus just told us that somebody's a traitor. We're all going to abandon him. He's leaving. The party's over. We're disbanding. The club is done. We're over. We'll go back to our occupations because it's all over and done with. And Jesus is trying to encourage them by saying, no, that's not what's going to happen. The party's just getting started. He did not expect his disciples to disband, but what he expected them to do, and not the disciples just in John's gospel, but the disciples that are sitting in this room, he expected us to go and continue the work that he started. That's why you and I are still here. That's why we're breathing, is because that's what he wanted us to do. And when he says they'll do greater, the greater works, he's not talking about greater In the context of Jesus fed 5,000 people, Jesus caused the blind man to see, Jesus healed people, Jesus did all those things, yes. He's talking about greater in magnitude. Because at that point, keep in mind, how many disciples were there? Twelve, okay, eleven, we find out. There's just a small group of people that are following Jesus. But Jesus, in his sovereignty, because he was God, saw down through the ages that there were going to be thousands and thousands and tens of thousands and millions of people who would say, yes, I'm a disciple of Jesus, and he knew exponentially his work was going to make an impact on the world. He was counting on you. He was counting on me, because that's how God works, through people. Keep that in mind. Jesus is saying, this work of mine is going to continue, but it's going to continue through people. Can I ask you a question today? What's God calling you to do? The work of a disciple—you've heard me say before—is not for the excuse me just—is not for the professional pastor alone. The work of the disciple is for the one, the one who says, "I'm a disciple," and I'm a follower of Jesus. He has got something for every person, no matter how young you are, no matter how old you are. He has got something right now in this moment for every single one of us to do. You may think, well, I'm old, I've done my time, my work is over. No, sir, no, ma'am, it's not. You are desperately needed for the next generation to see Jesus in somebody your age. We are one generation away from extinction of the gospel. You do realize that, don't you? You do realize that on countries on this planet that's already happened. I think about the continent of Africa where Joey and I have been and to hear the story of Pastor Mark in Malawi and to hear that there are countries on the globe that are infusing multi-millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars, all-owned countries that are pumping money in there so that they can flip that country to follow Islam. Because they're, they're strategic, and they have a mission. But you and I have a mission. We have, we have a responsibility. You may think, well, I'm too young. I'm too young to make a difference. Paul told Timothy, we remember this when we went through the book of Timothy, I think it's 1 Timothy chapter 4, Let no man despise thy youth, but be an example among the believers. So there's nobody in here that doesn't have the opportunity to be a disciple and help continue the work of God on the earth. God works through people. God also works through prayer. And Jesus says this to them in verse 14, verse 13 and 14, whatever you ask in my name, I'll do that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now let's just stop just right there a minute because a lot of people misinterpret this. Dear God, I would like a Lamborghini and ask you in Jesus name to give me the Lamborghini. Try that and let me know if that happens. That's not what he's saying. It's not a license just to kind of throw Jesus' name on the end of a prayer, though I hear people do that all the time. They pray some prayer that's not even a godly prayer, and then they slap on at the end, in Jesus' name I pray, amen, and assume that that's some magic little tiddlywink that you slap on, and all of a sudden God is obligated to fulfill that prayer. That's not how prayer works. We know that. So God is promising, Jesus is promising to continue his work through people, but also Jesus is reminding him it's through prayer. It's through his his endorsement by saying in Jesus' name is almost an endorsement when you pray according to God's will. And the reason that we close our prayers, by the way, in Jesus' name, is an endorsement to say if our prayer is godly and we're saying in Jesus' name, we're ending our prayer to say, God, just a reminder, this, you, you've endorsed this. You've endorsed this gift of prayer. You've told us. You've commanded us to communicate through prayer. It's also reminding us where the power comes from. Dear Lord, give me that Lamborghini. In Jack Eason's name, amen. That wouldn't get you the Lamborghini either, by the way. But the reason we say in Jesus' name is it's a reminder the, where the power comes from. And we're limited in our prayer, the context of what we pray, we are limited by the character of that name. In other words, if we pray anything that's not in character with Jesus and we say in Jesus' name, we're reminding ourselves our prayers should be in character of who Jesus is. And Jesus is promising if we want to see his work to continue, that's how he's going to do it, through people and through prayer. Church family, can I just commend you and say thank you? Because it is obvious. I don't, do, you, do you see this? It is obvious there's a lot of somebodies in this congregation that are praying. Otherwise, we would not see the fruit that we are seeing in the life of our church. So for the love of God, continue to pray. Because He has an assignment for you and I and He has work for us to do. So the disciples think they're going to be left behind, but Jesus continues to give them great encouragement. and gives them another reason to be comforted because he promises to send them the Holy Spirit. The disciples, when they, when they are hearing this, they're thinking Jesus is leaving, he's going to desert us, we're going to be all by ourselves. But he promises not to abandon them. He says to them in verse 16, I'm going to ask the Father... And he will give you another helper that he will be with you forever. If you have the King James Version, you may know that that word parakletos, which means comforter. I love that. It says, I am going to give you another helper, a comforter, that he may be with you forever. It's the spirit of truth. The world can't receive because it does not behold him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and I will be in you. Perhaps one of the greatest gifts that God could give us, and we we could preach a whole year of messages just on the fact that God, in his sovereignty, sent us Jesus, number one, but then when Jesus died and rose from the dead, which we'll get to in the next few weeks, and ascended to heaven, he sent to us the Holy Spirit, Do you understand? Do I understand? Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. God is here right now. God is in this room right now. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who abides in you and abides in me because Jesus, as we have come to know him, resides in us. I can't explain, it's mind blowing. But if you're a child of God, if you're a disciple, every single one of us in here has the Holy Spirit of God living within us, which comes as a free gift, by the way, when you receive Jesus, you get Jesus, you get the Holy Spirit, you get God, all three in one because they're one. Jesus is not schizophrenic. He doesn't dispense little pieces of himself. When you surrender your life to him and you accept him, you get all that. The power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, we've talked about before, you can grieve or you can quench the Holy Spirit and prevent Him from working in His life, in your life the way that He wants to. But what an incredible gift. Jesus says to them, I'm going to send to you the spirit of truth, this comforter, so that when you're going through life and you get a bad diagnosis, or you get bad news, or your kids are walking away from God, Or your parents aren't living from God or whatever and you're praying and you're spending time with me. All of a sudden, dynamically, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can have the comforter right now. It's better than a comforter blanket that you have on in the winter time. Although a couple of those would be nice right now. I see some of you getting a little chilly. I mean, that's powerful. Powerful. Anytime you and I need comfort or peace, we don't have to delay for it. We don't have to search for it. He is with us right now to be our peace. What an incredible gift of encouragement. I love that. God's presence and his power. And he goes on to say this, I'm not going to leave you. He knew what they were thinking, verse 18. He knew what they were thinking. Jesus is leaving us. What are we going to do? The one that we've been following says he's going to leave us. He's going to abandon us. I've left my family. I left my job. I left my relatives. I'm out here by myself. And now this guy that I'm following is saying he's leaving? What's going on? And Jesus said, no, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to come to you. And after a little while, the world will behold me no more, but you will behold me. Because I live, you shall live also. It's a statement, and a reminder of the wonderful gift of the Trinity. There are many people who say, find the word Trinity in the Bible. You might not find the word Trinity in the Bible. You won't find where it explains, but there's hints of it all throughout the New Testament, all throughout Scripture, actually even all the way to the book of Genesis. If you remember when we went through the book of Genesis together, when God said, let us, plural, let us create the world, let us create man in in our image. A hint even then that it was the Trinity, God the Father, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit. And so if you and I know Christ, he dwells within you and he dwells within me. And in contrast to the crazy world that we live in, if we are a disciple, if we're a true follower of Jesus, then we should know the Holy Spirit. In contrast to the world that we live in, if we are a disciple, then we should have the Holy Spirit with us. In contrast to the crazy world that we live in, if we are a disciple, we should have the Holy Spirit in us. In us, with us, working through us. That's one of the great celebrations that I love about corporate worship. Because when we're together, all of us united, that have the power of the Holy Spirit in every single person in this room, worshiping together and singing and listening and leaning into God. Wow, incredible. What an incredible gift. And so the disciples are hopefully getting encouraged by what he's saying. But then he says this to them in verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. He said that two or three times already, by the way, which is kind of a quick, uh, quick heart check. If you're really being a disciple or you're doing what God has told you to do. That's not the message. That's free. That's bonus. That's a bonus. But he's mentioned that several times. He said, he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And then in verse 21, I will love him and I will disclose myself to him. The fifth thing I see that should bring you and I comfort and encouragement is God promises to make himself known to his disciples. God's not hiding his plan from you. Jesus is not hiding from you. He's not playing a game of hide and seek with you. I remember as a young person, and maybe you, you're, you're challenged with this if you're one of our students here today, or maybe you're an adult and you're challenged with this. You know, I used to remember in uh, elementary, middle, high school thinking, I'm oh, just trying to figure out God's will. And I just would agonize and agonize over figuring, trying to figure out God's will as if God was hiding his plan from me. God doesn't play hide and seek like that. He discloses himself to us when we seek after him. When we seek him, he will be found, the Bible says. And he loves us. And he tells his disciples, I'm going to make myself known to you. I'm going to disclose myself to you. We say oftentimes, people in our culture, well, you know, I was lost and I found God, as if God was lost. God has never been lost. He's not playing hide and seek, his will is clear and he will make himself known. To you and he will make himself known to me. How does he make himself known? He makes himself known in a lot of different ways. Maybe you're here visiting today. Or maybe you've been here forever. for as long as Joey Estes. And you don't know Jesus. My friend, he's right here. How does he disclose himself? He discloses himself, the Bible says, in a lot of different ways. Even all of creation shouts out there is a God. He discloses Himself in this wonderful book He's given us called the Word of God. He discloses Himself in this. He discloses Himself through other people. He discloses Himself when we call out to Him and pray and call upon the name of the Lord. And if you don't know Him today, I just ask you to call out to Him because He will make Himself known to you. And the other thing that I see here real quickly, it's not going to be on the screen because I read this this morning. can't close this chapter without seeing this last thing. Very quickly, verse 27, Jesus goes on to tell the disciples this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Stop being troubled. I think he started the chapter that way, didn't he? Stop being troubled. You heard that I said to you, I'm going to go away and come to you if you love me. You would have rejoiced because I go to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I've told you before it comes to pass, that when it comes to pass, you may believe. I will not speak much more with you, for the ruler of the world is coming, and he has nothing in me. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go from here. The last thing I see here is Jesus, in the midst of the chaos and confusion, the greatest comfort he's given us is his peace. The peace that Paul says passes all understanding. Can I ask you a question today? Are you troubled? Are you concerned? Is your heart troubled? There are some of us that are facing things I can't even begin to comprehend. Family situations, personal situations, financial situations, health situations if I can just do what Jesus just did in the Word and say to you, not as Jack Eason, but just say to you as God's Word says to you, stop being troubled. Do you know who you believe in? For I am persuaded, as Paul said, I know who I believed in. I'm persuaded he's going to keep that which I've committed until that day. I'm persuaded. I'm convinced. I know who I'm, I know who I'm serving. Yeah, there's going to be bumps in the road in life. I don't like them either sometimes. But take heart. Let not your heart be troubled. God loves you. He has a place for you. He's preparing a place for you. He's the only way to get to God. He's counting on you and I to continue His work on this planet. And He sent the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. For those of us that know Him. He's going to keep revealing Himself to us every day. As we spend time with Him. He's given us that incredible gift of peace. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, thank You for today. Thank You, Lord Jesus, for the incredible gift that You've given us. Lord, when I look at the things that are going on in our world today, if there's ever a time that we needed comfort, maybe it's today. Dear friends, as you're there in your seat praying this morning, can I just ask you, do you need that today? Do you need God's comfort today? Here's the awesome thing about it. He wants to give it to you because he's a heavenly father who loves you. a child of his, there's no strings attached. It's not when you do these things that I'm going to give you my comfort and peace. No, he, he is comfort and peace. Would you receive it today? In just a moment, we're going to have an invitation song, a closing song for our service. And I don't know how God's speaking to you this morning. Maybe you just need to slip out of the seat where you are. and Come grab my hand or the hand of Heath. Say, would you pray for me today? Maybe you just want to kneel at the front. Maybe you are here this morning and you don't know the comfort and peace of God because you don't know God through His Son, Jesus. And you'd say, today I need to surrender my life to Him. Because here's the crazy thing. When you and I walk out of this room and we walk out the doors to our small groups or we go home later today, we're going to encounter a troubled world. No doubt about it. The world is troubled. But here's the incredible supernatural gift of God. We don't have to be troubled, even though the world is troubled. If we have our confidence and trust in Jesus. Lord, I pray you'd have your way during this invitation. Would you speak to our hearts? In Jesus' name, amen. So good to see you this morning. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to stand with us. I'll be here to receive you. My friend Heath will be here. If you need prayer this morning, you want to join our church family, we'll be here to welcome you. You respond as God leads you, as Joey leads us this morning.
0: We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. In addition, we want to invite you to check out some of the great items at our website that will help you, or you can give as a gift to a friend. Devotionals and other resources are all available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you will tune in again next week.